Welcome to the Everyday Journey podcast. I'm your host, Vasily Mazin, coming at you from San Francisco. The idea behind this project is to interview people who are outstanding in their field, one way or another, casting a spotlight on one character at a time. My guest today is a Bay Area native with Indian roots, a comedian and a writer. His father once told him to be a doctor so he wouldn't have to face the hardship of being a computer engineer. Despite that, he held his job as a programmer in Silicon Valley until he finally quit it after 10 years to pursue comedy full-time. Dear audience, I give you Richard Sarvate. What's up? How's it going? It's going well. Thank Thanks you for, for being having here. me in your in your hotel room. In my in my humble uh, portable studio. Yes. Where most of my equipment is borrowed. Yep, with your sink next to the bed, so you can. Um, I don't know. Like you said, I, I could brush my teeth and, and just fall on the bed right away. Yeah, very convenient. It's still uh, slightly larger than most. Uh, New York City studios that I've seen, studio apartments. That's true, but it's actually cheaper in New York City, right? Rent is cheaper there than here. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not quite sure. It's about the same, yeah. I think you get a newer building here for the same money. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, there are uh, one-bedroom apartments going for $4,000 here right now. Sure. I'm sure there's uh, $5,000 <laughs> one-bedroom apartments, but as yeah. well as $1,800. You think so? I think so. I think you can get something like this in the, in the Tenderloin area. <laughs> in the yeah. Tenderloin, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, how do you pronounce your last name? It's a Sarvate. Sarvate. Yeah. Uh, is it typically butchered somehow? Uh, yeah, okay, so my, so I'm from Bombay, which is in Maharashtra in India, and uh, the last name is supposed to be Sarvate. That's like, uh, what? that's an actual Maharashtra last name, but what happened Sarvate. is... Sarvate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like S-A-R-A-W-A-T-E is the real one. And when my dad came to America, he uh, he just changed his last name. Uh, he's one of these Indian people that didn't really want to be Indian, so he changed his name. So it was not a mistake. It was deliberate. <laughs> it was, yeah, a de- yeah, deliberate mistake, I guess. The I mean, the ridiculous part is that Sarvate sounds more Mexican than... <laughs> than sounds some kind of Latino, yeah, maybe yeah. yeah, Spanish of some sort. You're right. <laughs> so uh, were there any funny stories related to this? Like... Just that... Just that Mexican people tend to like me now. <laughs> <laughs> they relate. Yeah, they relate. They're like, oh, that's all it takes, just a last name, and then you have a connection. So you were born... In, I was born here. In, in here, in okay. In San Jose. In the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, so what was it like growing up here as a child of uh, mm. an Indian immigrant family? Yeah. Um, well, it's difficult to say, because the Indian part doesn't really come into it. It's a, um, my family is weird. It's very strange. Uh, I don't... I talk about this in my comedy, but my mom is a schizophrenic, so... It, uh, you was... didn't make it up for, for, for comedy. No, 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 yeah. yeah the, the, I'm the comedian that does the schizophrenic mom act, you know. <laughs> right. That's your shtick. Okay. That's my shtick. So th- th- that was more... We can laugh about it, right? It's, it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's, totally. Okay. I would prefer Nothing that. is off limits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing is off limits. That was more prominent than being Indian. The, um, in your childhood, you mean, growing up? Yeah. What influenced your, your psyche, your life? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, being Indian only came into it, like... Well, so I grew up in San Jose and Fremont, which has a lot of Indian people, so it wasn't... There was no racism or anything. It was no, just... Normal environment for you? Yeah, pretty normal. Uh, you, not, not that you can compare growing up in, in the Bay Area versus somewhere else, but do you think there was anything specific that shaped you as a person, being the child there in that community, society? Yeah. I think it was just spending a lot of time alone because my family was sort of like, uh, they were sort of outcasts. So I wouldn't say there wasn't much of a sense of community. So I guess that kind of shaped me. Right. So you had, you had to be driven somewhere, right? Uh, to, to go yeah. away from home. Right, right, right. Yeah. To get to school, it was just like, yeah, my parents would drop me off. I didn't have many friends at school. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't really have, you know, like someone I could say is like my real friend until... Uh, maybe sixth or seventh grade. So it was just a lot of uh, daydream, imagination, imaginary friends, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. the, the, the usual when you're isolated in your, in yeah. your bedroom. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, and what did you aspire to be growing up? You know what? It was just like whatever uh, my dad would put in my head. Mm-hmm. So his whole thing was just like, you know what? He, he, he would tell me I have to be a doctor. And then... But then he did the opposite. He would teach me how to program. So... 
Because he himself was a programmer? Yeah, okay. he's a programmer. He's, he's still a programmer at Oracle. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, when I was, yeah, eight years old, he taught me, like, you know, QBasic and all these type of basic uh, programming languages. And then he just sat me with the computer, and then I would write, like, these uh, text adventure games, you know, like, you see a dragon, do you fight the dragon or yeah. run away? If, then, yes, <laughs> then. <Yeah. laughs> it was just a bunch of if-then statements. Uh -huh. And go-to. Yeah, lots of go-to. Yeah. I was really sad when go-to got taken out of the... It's not part of basic anymore. Well, it's part of basic, but then when I went to like Java and stuff right, like that... There was no go-to line. No yeah. go-to, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Where to go now? Where to go? Yeah. And I used to read these programming books and they'd always be like, you know, there's no need to ever have a go-to statement. And I'd be like, but you know what? I feel like I need it right here. Right. And go sub. Remember go, go sub. Go sub, yeah. <laughs> I miss that. Line numbers, just go to... <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Um, and so comedy was not uh, on your radar. Oh, it, it was on my radar. So yeah, I, I think the what really happened is that my... Uh, so okay, so my dad uh, is, you know, grew up in India. And in India, their entertainment is really far behind. Like... So, when my dad was watching movies in the 60s, he was watching comedy from America from the 30s. So uh, That's how behind they are. Yeah, yeah they're about 30 years behind. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, so they were, were they watching the uh, 90s now or something? Yeah, in now you'll just see they're <laughs> Late they 80s. Adam Sandler, you know, <laughs> David Spade is here. Early Adam Sandler, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what goal. is this, Billy Madison? <laughs> Okay, so he was into that, into the 60s? He was into, yeah, so a lot 30s. of... 30s. Yeah, so a lot of uh, depression, American Depression-era comedy is what he was watching in India. So then when he came to America, he's like, you gotta see this stuff. So then he started playing uh, all these 1930s movies. So uh, it was Laurel and Hardy and Abbott and Costello. And so there's this... I don't know if you... Do you know Laurel and Hardy? It's like... No. You, you probably know the the, uh, the symbol. It's like a skinny guy, skinny guy and a fat guy, and they both have bowler hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Okay, okay. Yeah. And it's very slapstick. Like, they just keep hit, hitting each other and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. A little uh, bit like Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Like Charlie Chaplin. Like a lot of funny violence. Exactly. Like torturing each other. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so, <laughs> and I would just be watching all that stuff, and uh, that... We definitely like became funny by watching those things. Mm, so that was your. Uh, That's my comedy education. Inspiration yeah. edu education. Monty mm -hmm. Python? No. Yeah, we didn't watch uh, Monty Python. The first time I watched it was in uh, fifth grade. We watched uh, the Holy Grail, and uh, that was really funny. But up until then, I had already been watching other stuff. Life of Brian. Uh, oh well, no, uh, yeah, I, I, I saw later. Yeah. yeah, I saw Life of Brian later, and uh, the meaning of life. I've actually never seen Meaning of Life. Oh, that, that's that's great. That's yeah, one of my favorites. Really, I heard yeah. it's. I've heard it's really dark. It's pretty dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty messed up. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, that's that, that's a classic nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so uh, and at this point, let's see. Uh, so you, you followed your dad's advice, right? To or actually not his footprints, not really his advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not his uh, advice. He didn't want you to be a programmer. He didn't want me to be a programmer, yeah. He's told me to be a doctor. And I actually, like, I didn't want to be a doctor, but I didn't know how to f tell him. And so I started, like, looking up things, uh, negative stats about doctors online so that I could, like, tell my dad I don't want to be a doctor and this is why. And uh, one of the facts was that... Uh, doctors have the highest divorce rate of any profession and so i'm like at like nine years old i'm like dad i don't want to be a doctor most doctors get divorced <laughs> you use that uh that, stat yeah. uh, to, uh, <laughs> to weasel my way out yeah. <laughs> so that, that that was successful uh, i mean yeah he had to reconcile it i and the thing was like people do as you do not as you say Mm -hmm. So he's teaching me how to program, so then I just started doing that. And uh, I, I just did it because, yeah, I didn't know what else to do. But it turned out to be a really smart choice, actually. Did you study uh, the craft? or? Yeah, well, I went, yeah, I went to college for computer science. Okay, computer yeah. science. So, so you're classically educated. Classically educated, yeah. Uh, no dynamic programming. Did you notice the difference between you and other computer science background people 
and other peers that were self-taught, uh, more tinker kind of type programmers. What's mm -hmm. the difference between the two types? Oh, so, wait. So like when when you were in the office, in uh, when you were in the like at your job. Yeah. There were some people who were not computer science degrees, but doing programming as well, right? And oh, I don't know. But the people who are doing programming were pretty much all. They all had degrees. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You've never worked with. Well, so, so let's say I don't have. I'm personally, I I program, but I don't have computer science. Oh, degree. really? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know if I've. Uh, okay, so it wasn't until I started working at startups that that happened, mm -hmm. because my first job was at uh, this terrible company called Autonomy. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah, uh, they're huge, right? Huge company. <laughs> well, they got bought by Hewlett Packard. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I don't know if you know, but Hewlett Packard bought them for $10 billion. Oh, yeah, they were a British company, right? Yeah, Autonomy. British company, yeah. Yes, it was a Apotheker or something. That is, yeah. Is, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. German's CEO. Uh, this, who bought, yeah, who yeah. made, yeah, it was, it was during his time that this, Yeah, he bought it and he got horrendous fired. deal, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, they bought them for $10 billion, and it turned out the company on paper was only worth $1.5. <laughs> and so, they, scam. huge scam. Oh, my God. I, yeah, and while working at this company, it was so crazy. The payroll woman, she was giving herself a bonus of $250,000 every quarter. <laughs> and the, the way she got caught was she, uh, after she got, uh, she got fired for something else. And then she filed for unemployment, saying that her salary was $1 million a year. And then they looked into it, and they're like, what are you doing? And then they arrested her and put her in jail. <laughs> <laughs> so she's the richest uh, woman in, in, in her block. Yeah, totally. Yeah. She bought, like, all these houses in Pacifica with that money. It was crazy. Wow. So that's she was an HP employee or Autonomy? Autonomy. Autonomy. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you worked with them, this brilliant company. <laughs> I worked with this brilliant company. Uh, everybody I worked with was computer science uh, major. So, uh, so I don't really know the difference... So I didn't know the difference between uh, people who were self-taught and people who were educated until I started working at Zobni um, back in, uh, that was five years ago, so 2012. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I did notice the difference. Like the, the people who were just mm, uh, tinkering, tinkering around, like they were doing it out of, you know, uh, curiosity, which was much more effective than, um, you know, people who were taught. Cause, okay. you know, With a classic approach, uh, classical education, you... I guess you're you can be you can move slower maybe like absolutely yeah mm -hmm. especially at a startup because it was so refreshing at the startup I mean you know everybody says this but there was like less bureaucracy like mm -hmm. I'm just putting horizontal stuff, exactly structure. yeah hit the button put it into production see what happens break it in production break it in production yeah production was our test <laughs> <laughs> I know this all too well yeah 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 um so then comedy was kind of going in parallel. Right for you. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And what what was it? Uh, did you have like an the oh, first open mic? Yeah. At some point. Yeah. Um, so the, the well the history is that um, in college I wanted to try comedy. I started getting to that point where I really wanted to try, and I wrote my whole set out and I went to the open mic and this is maybe two thousand five and I just stood there at the open mic and I was like I can't do this and I went home, and then uh, finally I got the balls. Uh, in you usually went up to the microphone for a few oh, seconds and or you didn't initially get there. I didn't even get there uh -huh, yeah okay. I just saw someone else going before yeah. me I'm like this just is sweaty hard. palms re re reciting your lines yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. and the jokes were I looked at my jokes on the paper I was like this is not gonna work it was stuff about like oh no it was so stupid I didn't want to say <laughs> but uh None of it uh, evolved into. Uh, yeah, I think I don't use a those joke jokes. That you actually later, use later, though. Okay. No, no, no. It was kind of racist. So it's <laughs> <laughs> the go-to. Yeah, when, <laughs> when, when you're starting, especially like, how can I shock them? Yeah. yeah. As a new comedian, you go for shock because you're like, I'm just. Can I get some reaction? Uh huh. So yeah. the first one was, you were ready, more or less, but you just couldn't. Uh, I was ready. I had my act. I couldn't do it. So then uh, the second time I tried was seven years later, uh, around 2011. What was happening during, during the seven years? Were you like, yeah. you could have abandoned this idea in your head? Or were you slowly preparing for, for your star moment? Uh, yeah, you know what? No, I, I had put it on the back burner. Mm -hmm. I was like, because I tried. I went to that open mic and I was like, oh, this is just too hard. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? I remember what happened. I went to Puerto Rico and I went uh, scuba diving and um, me and my friend were like, oh, we'll just go without a guide. We don't need a guide. And so we started scuba diving and we went in this area where the waves were so strong and 
even underwater, the waves were so strong. So I was underneath the water completely, but just being thrown around. And then eventually we, I got to the surface and we were headed towards this big rock. And then <laughs> the water took us and started slamming us against this rock repeatedly over and over. And so I would grab the rock to try to climb up and then the water would come and then pull me back down. And I was like, this, I could die right now. Mm -hmm. So I managed to climb. I just grabbed the rock. I pulled up. All these like sea urchins were there. The spines were going in my hands. I got myself on the rock, like bloody everything. And I was just laying there and I was like, okay. So that, that was, I mean, it's a life or death experience. Okay. So that was a, a, a catalyst. That was a, that was a catalyst. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at the time I had been, uh, you know, working at, you know, autonomy and this, uh, but was it like a, like a general, like a wake-up call moment? Like, what do I really want to do exactly? Yeah. Okay, so exactly. And, and comedy was on the back burner, but you never really forgot it to the point of not, not remembering that you even tried. Exactly, and, yeah. So it was always kind of there, and okay. It was yeah. always, yeah, it was always kind of there, but it was on the back burn, and I was like, okay, well, that's just a, a dream. But mm -hmm. then the whole, the whole life or death thing really brought it to the forefront. Okay. And yeah, so one week after coming back from Puerto Rico, I got on stage for real. So I see. So <laughs> this, this was a connection. Yeah, the, the event was yeah. something that pushed you. Uh -huh. yeah. And that was an open mic? Uh, that was an open mic, yeah. And uh, that, that, one, th that one went decently well. It was seven minutes, which is really long for your first time. Usually your first time, you usually do three or five minutes. Yeah. That's what I would think. Seven yeah. was painful. But the first show I did was really bad. I invited all my coworkers from Zabni, and maybe 30 of them came, which is pretty much everybody. It was everybody. Yeah. And, uh, bad idea? Uh, really you, bad Would you idea. recommend an aspiring comedian uh, <laughs> to invite their coworkers? Or? Absolutely not. No. I, uh, not even one? Not in, I wouldn't... Looking back, I wouldn't have invited anyone I know to my comedy until I was at least five years in. Five years? No, yeah. not, not five open mics. No, no, yeah. Five years in, like, uh, five years I've done maybe a thousand shows, and I'm like, okay, now I'm ready. Because I invited my coworkers to that show and did terribly. <laughs> and for the next three years of working at Zabni... <laughs> Everybody would just look at me like, oh, yeah, you're, you're a co comedian, huh? <laughs> I mean, not a good one, either. Yeah, I'm not a good comedian. Yeah. And they, everybody knows that about me every single day. <laughs> it was terrible. And there was no chance to redeem yourself. Dude. Well, there was, you know, I kept on doing more shows, but, and I was getting better. But, you know, everyone was like, oh, we've already seen him. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the novelty was gone. I see. So you would recommend at least five years. No joke. No joke. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. I mean, the... It's for me. I mean, I, I it took me a long time to live that that showdown <laughs> to be okay with it. Okay, so um, well, was it difficult to decide to leave your programming uh, career? Oh yeah, it was because uh, so we got a uh, Yahoo acquired Zabni, uh, and um, we got a pretty sweet deal, and um, so then I was golden handcuffed um, for a, for four years. For those who are not. Yeah, initiated those, into this terminology. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm sorry. If I, for some reason, I'm talking to you. I think your podcast is like a very tech themed podcast. Not necessarily. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, golden handcuffs are when they give you a, a deal that forces you to stay at the company for a certain amount of time. So, I my deal was over four years. They would give me a certain amount of money, and um, each year I get 25 percent of it, and uh, so I m managed to stay three years. And I was at the breaking point, and all my coworkers were like, just stay, you know, one more year and get that money. And I was just like, I couldn't do it. And, I, and it felt good to quit because a lot of my coworkers were also like, no, you're not going to quit. You're going to take the money. You're not going to quit. And so as more like a spite to them, I just said, fuck it, I'm done. Yeah. So that was, you got three quarters of your... I got three quarters, which, you know, is, is fine, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Cool. You, you cut the golden... Uh, yeah, yeah. But most people can't say no, so I felt proud. Right, right. Yeah, most people wouldn't do this. Yeah, they, would, they would bitch about being in this situation for a while, and then they would, they would still wait for the, uh, for the last paycheck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and did you find any similarities between programming and comedy, or programming and writing? Oh, that's so, super interesting. Yeah, yeah. actually... Um, because with my comedy, it's like, in terms of 
in terms of testing material, it's very, um, it's very scientific. It's like I write a new joke, I try it. If it doesn't work, I throw it away. If it works, I keep it. So it's just like a, it's just incremental. And um, refactoring. Yeah. Refactoring, yeah. And there's lots of A/B testing. There's like, okay, what if I say staging environment? Yes, yeah, sta exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Let's see how this joke works in a family setting. Let's see how this joke works uh, in a corporate setting. Let's see how it works uh, in a bar. And then it's like, oh, it worked in all three. This is a good joke. It goes in the act. Mm -hmm. Commit, and, push. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. And it's like, in, it's like depending on what type of show it is. It's like, oh, are they, uh, are they paying money? <laughs> like, is it like then I have to do well? Okay, I'll do this stuff. Uh, is it you know just a free bar show? Okay, I'm gonna try all this new stuff. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, there are similarities in that way. Have yeah. you ever invented a joke on the fly, like uh, while you were yeah on, on stage? On stage. Uh, yeah, that happens, but it doesn't happen too often. So there are some comedians which claim to just go on stage and just be funny, uh, which I personally think is complete bullshit. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of preparation. Yeah, and. Even for stuff that seems very spontaneous, like, uh, it's mostly prepared. Like, even to the point where it's like, oh, hey, you know what I was thinking of? Like, even that is prepared. Mm, that, 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 that uh, like, way to introduce a new joke or, like, a supposedly spontaneous joke. Yeah, yeah, like, looking like you're thinking. Yeah, I remember that moment. Well, I'm not sure which comedian that was, but when I saw that comedian live and then... I saw them on TV or something like that, and yeah. and there was exactly the same word for word joke, and it really messed with my mind. Yeah, you know, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! I was totally yeah thinking that he was doing it on stage for us in, in in this intimate setting. I know, <laughs> I know. It's it's good. Like I also remember that shock the first time I felt that, mm -hmm. and uh, so it's interesting because now generally in America people know that you're um, you're it's not spontaneous, right? But I did comedy in India, and they did not know. And so one person came back to see us the second day, and he's like, "You told the same jokes." <laughs> he got—he was so depressed. <laughs> oh my god! He felt was, cheated. He felt he, betrayed. He felt really cheated. Yeah, he came back. He's like, "Oh my god, I, I came back because I <laughs> for more jokes, for more jokes, and you said the exact same thing." Oh my! I just felt like such a cheat. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure you didn't feel too bad because that's that's the reality of it. That's the reality. Maybe maybe by that time you already kind of forgot that that anyone could have these feelings, you know. That, yeah, totally. And and I'm sure there's this in, in the heckling realm. Uh, some people would be yelling like, "Hey, tell me, tell that joke again that you did last week." Or oh something like yeah, that. Mm. actually, this has happened maybe just two or three times. But somebody will yell out the punchline of my joke, and. Uh, on the one hand, it's bad because it ruins the joke, but on the other hand, I'm like, it makes me feel like a rock star, like like I'm Bon Jovi and they're right. like singing along. Singing along and reciting you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so you've been away from Yahoo, from technology and development. Uh, you think you're a little, little, little bit, like your, your uh, brain is atrophied in, in terms of programming? Oh, and, and, and... I do try to stay tech savvy, like, you know, I'm... I'm I make sure, like, I still, you know, do all my own website design. I, um, you know, I do all my own marketing and stuff like that. So there's, there's definitely, I'm still, you know, tech savvy. I just, if I had to do some, if I had to optimize, uh, you know, a database or something, then I might, you know, be like, okay, what did I do? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to do these things, that's why. Uh, <laughs> I'd hopefully get just Michael to do it. Right, right. Friend. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's our mutual friend. He's, yeah. Uh, Still uh, very much active in both comedy and development. Yeah, wow. So, uh, goals. What are the goals that you've set for yourself oh. for this year? Uh, for, yeah, uh, that, that's that's funny. Um, well, uh, goals. Uh, so, I just started a stand-up live stand-up show in Hollywood, in LA. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so and you live in San Francisco full-time. I live in San Francisco full-time, so I just drive down for the, the Hollywood show. So, the goal would be to get that, like to be, well, the best show in Los Angeles is the goal. Mm. Uh, and uh, Aim high. Aim high, yeah. Um, there's that, and then I also started a uh, sketch series 
Uh, we do a video every week. It's called Stay After Class. Uh, we, uh, we make a video every week. So, I mean, we'll see where that goes, but the goal is to just make a video every single week. Mm -hmm. I love those videos, yeah. I've, I've seen every single one. Oh, and, thanks, man. And I, really, <laughs> I really think they are on that level of... Because like, you know, I'm a big fan of Tim and Eric. And, oh, yeah, and Mr. Yeah. Show. Mm. Um, and... Met TV at some point. Met TV, I yeah. Liked, you know, not a huge fan of Saturday Night Live. Uh, it's a, mm. a, little, a little too, I think it's a little too political. Yeah. Not random enough for me. It's not <laughs> random, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you, your skits uh, that you do with your with your uh, colleagues, uh, friends, yeah. uh, very good quality, well produced, and I, I think the act, acting is is. Uh, I think you're ready for, for for your own show. So is it one of the goals to to have a special or? A recurring uh, yeah. show or something like that? There, there's a couple of people, like, so there's... I've seen examples of other people who did the same thing, like a video every week and they get picked up. So, like, mm. there's a uh, sketch group called Dead Kevin. They got picked up to do a... They did... Comedy Central asked them to do a pilot, and then but I don't know what happened. Uh, there's another really good sketch group called Women. They got a TV show on IFC. Uh, so, this... And, you know... There's plenty of examples of this happening, like Aziz Ansari, his very first foray into television was uh, he had a sketch show called Human Giant on MTV. So um, lots of examples of people just making lots of sketches and then getting a show. Is it the way to go, though, or can you um, just be okay with making your own show, producing your own things and, some, and still make a living? Oh, uh, producing your own, what, TV show? Uh, or not? Maybe like a... Uh, online, like web shorts or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's... I mean, I need to figure out how to make money doing that. I mean, you, if you get millions of viewers, then yeah, you can do subscribers and advertising and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's so weird that like, even though it's 2017 and this is the digital age, still most viewership is through television. Mm. Like if the most popular show in the world right now is probably The Big Bang Theory. And that has 20 million viewers every single week, which is, seems so crazy. Uh, you would think that it would be some sort of like YouTube channel that's just easy access, right? But no, it's a, it's a TV show. It's a TV show, like uh, through cable. Yeah, it's just a cable TV show. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so weird living in San Francisco because we think, you know, I haven't had cable TV for ten years now, and uh, right, yeah. But most of America <laughs> has cable TV, and they're still just flipping through channels. After they work. don't mind paying two, three hundred dollars a month uh, for this for the amount of channels they can't even right watch in a day yeah i mean i think it's ingrained because i remember when i got rid of cable tv it was like a rebellious decision uh -huh. i'm done with tv you were the odd one uh, yeah i was odd uh, and now i've become normal for san francisco but definitely mm -hmm. I, I didn't even know which fr friends of mine have um yeah cable, cable these days no, no i have no idea yeah and it, it's funny because mm -hmm. i also because of it i don't have tv i don't know who's famous Mm. So sometimes like uh, sometimes I'll meet somebody, you know, just doing comedy and I won't know that they're famous, which is pretty interesting. I think they appreciate uh, most of the time yeah. uh, the fact that, that someone can communicate with them without knowing who they are. Right. Or at least not making it too much of a big point that, that they're right. famous. Right? Yeah, it's definitely weird. Um so tell me about dealing with uh, tough crowds when you perform. Oh, okay, yeah. You, you know what? That's yeah, tough crowds. L tough like a uh, like tough like they're not laughing or tough not like laughing. they're heckling. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess there's the two separate types. Okay, separate so types. so not laughing. Let's let's. Yeah, not laughing this. is more like well, you kind of have to like ask yourself what's going on. Like, there's there's different reasons for being tough. Like one reason might be. Uh, they just might not be the type that laughs. Like, because when I used to go to comedy shows, I never laughed, but I would love being there. And You so, still had a good time. I had a great time, but I was just sitting there, and I would even fold my arms. And, mm -hmm. In a sort of a defensive, yeah. closed position. Yeah. yeah, I would sit there like this, and now when I see someone doing that in the audience, I think, fuck this guy. Yeah, open this, up. <laughs> open up. Yeah. And But so, <laughs> if if they're not laughing... But they're... I'm going to cross my arms now. Yeah, oh, Jesus, I'm bombing this podcast. <laughs> you know, like, if I see... Um, it depends. I'll look at them. Because you can tell if someone's engaged or not. Like, if they're looking at their phone or something, then, you know, it's like they're not having fun. But if they're just sitting there like this, 
you know, I mean, focus... Concentrated focus. Yeah. yeah. Focus is a rare commodity these days, right? Mm. So if someone's even just looking at you, then you're like, okay, this, I'm probably doing fine here. Right. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so it's not... It, it may seem tough yeah. uh, at first or to other observers, but you know what's going on. If, if people are looking at you yeah. uninterrupted by then, their phones, then it's fine. Then you're doing fine, yeah. And for example, uh, so I, uh, I was performing at the Punchline on Tuesday, and... Uh, it seemed like it was not going well. So then I made a joke like, uh, I made a joke like, uh, you know, I did prepare 10 minutes of material, but that was with space for laughter. And uh, <laughs> nobody laughed. And I realized that what was happening was that they're like, oh, this guy's on stage at the punchline. He's good. And we're enjoying this. Why is he talking like he's doing badly? So it was a moment of confusion for them. Uh -huh. The self-deprecation, it was, it was uncalled for for, for, yeah. for that type of environment. Exactly. They're like, well, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Yeah, just carry on. <laughs> carry on, exactly. So uh, that, really, uh, that really sort of drove it home for me. That uh -huh. like, you know, as long as they're not getting up or talking or something, they're probably having fun. Does it speak to the fact that you always learn something new with each performance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a, my goal right now is to every single show do uh, say something new. So it doesn't have to be a whole new five minute joke. It can even be just one new line. But um, yeah, by doing that, uh, I definitely learn something every single set. And hecklers, let's let's. Uh, Oof. So there's different types of hecklers. Talk about that, yeah. Yeah, well, um, the the there's different type of hecklers. One type of heckler is is a they're speaking to you because you're actually doing so well on stage that they think that they're having a conversation with you, mm -hmm. which is amazing. The thing is they're throwing the show off, but they don't know it. So with those people, you just kind of, you engage them a little bit. If they don't, it, you could even explain to them, like, I know. It you know. sure seems like we know each other so well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like, sorry, me and my aunt are just having a little thing right now, but uh, don't worry, I'll get to all of you guys later. You know, you kind of just play with it. Uh, the second type of heckling is like where is more menacing, where they're like, "Nope, not funny." Mm. <laughs> you suck. You suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, so with those people, one approach is to like take what they're saying at face value. That usually works. Like they're, "You suck," and you go like, "Yeah, yeah, I guess I suck." But you know, I have to be up here for another ten minutes. I mean, the bar's paying me. Yeah, right. And, uh, you, you, know, got, I, you guys paid. Yeah. yeah, you guys paid. You know, how would you feel? How would your boss feel if you just got up in the middle of the day and just left? You know, it's like... Yeah. And so where I do understand that I, I suck and I'm terrible, let's just, you know, work through this. Let's pretend. Let's pretend like <laughs> yeah. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, There's another way to deal with it? Another way is like... A, well, so the, the trick is really tough because it's, it's you have to uh, you have to shut them down without being too mean because... Uh, the audience sees you on stage. They, you're in sort of like you're an authority figure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you'd go like, hey, "Shut the fuck up, asshole! Get the fuck out of here, you ugly!" Mm -hmm. <laughs> then yeah. the rest of the audience will be like, "Oh no, too much, too much." So you have to like, uh, you have to toe this line of like shutting them down, but not being a complete dick, um, which is actually kind of hard. And I noticed some comedians, when they get good at that, they, they actually start attacking uh, people, you know, before they even heckle. Right? Oh, you know what? Uh, the front row uh, yeah. kids. Yeah, you know what? That's, I, I don't like that. I think that's insecurity. Um, I think it's like, it's generally called just crowd work. Mm -hmm. But it's like where you just, I, I try to talk to the audience and like just make it funny. Um, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. But, uh, you know, if someone says something that has, like, some incongruency, then you just sort of point it out. Mm -hmm. And you're not making them look dumb. You're just kind of making fun. It seems like every other comedian calls out a couple or, like, mm. what about you guys? Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 is, yeah. Do you, you go to this thing? Do you, do you, do you go down to that level? Because <laughs> I feel like it's yeah. such a, it's like a, you know. Easy trick? Easy trick, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I generally don't, uh, I generally don't do that unless, like, Sometimes, like, if you want to loosen the audience up, you can, you talk to them to, like, because sometimes they feel like they're watching a TV screen, mm -hmm. and so to, like, inject them with a dose of, like, you know, we're here. Break the fourth wall. Exactly. Yeah. To break the fourth wall, then I do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not a go-to for me. Do you have any advice for aspiring comedians, or even, <laughs> even people yeah. who think 
that maybe they should try it not not for a living but yeah 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 there's a... self-development or something like that that's funny mm. that's funny because uh there's a lot to say on this topic uh one is that uh one is that it's, it's not exactly the best thing for self-development because it's really lonely and uh it's also really hard to do it if it's not your complete focus. So mm -hmm. it's it's almost like, I think like if you're trying to do self-development, like improv is sort of better because you're working with people, you're interacting, it's social, it's fun. Stand-up is like just really depressing because when you bomb, I mean, you feel really bad. So, <laughs> um, so it can actually make you feel worse. It can actually make you feel worse, yeah. yeah. Like that show I did where I bombed in front of all my coworkers, I felt bad about that show for years. Uh, <laughs> it's really traumatized you. It really traumatized me. Uh, advice for aspiring comedians, one thing is that like it's it's not good to give advice because nobody knows really this uh, how to do it, but the one thing that you can say is that if you keep doing it, you'll get better. So the key is to just not quit. Mm-hmm. Um, what keeps you going, though? What's your motivation? Oh. Yeah, you know what? Like, <clears throat> to keep going, like, for me, it's like you need, like, a... You need... It's almost like a higher purpose. Like, let's just... For me, it's like, let's see what's at the end. Like, uh, <laughs> it's like... Anytime I bomb, I'm like, this feels terrible, but let's just see what happens at the end. Like, it's, it's almost like a, a faith test... Like, oh, if I keep doing this, what's going to happen? So, and if I didn't have that, then I would just quit immediately. Mm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so that, that's, that's a quality separate from, from comedy that you had, maybe, from, yeah. your, from your parents, from, from, from your upbringing, from your you know, mm -hmm. character type. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like a... Yeah, it, it's almost like, like you, you, you're doing something... Without, let's see what's ha what happens. Yeah, yeah just let's see, let, let's see what happens. And it's almost like, oh, it's like a loophole of life, right? Like, oh, most people would quit. Mm -hmm. So what happens if I don't quit? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like a very mental thing. Like, you're not supposed to cross this line. You're not supposed to jump over the fence because there's a sign. You know? Yeah. You're like, what if I jumped over the fence? What if I did? Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's also like, at this point, there's no other option, really. Like, it's because I've already seen what the the corporate life was and uh you know there was i don't know like i there was nothing there was no satisfaction there like at yahoo i was they had me working on stuff like um when i worked on yahoo mail and they're like okay when you get a message from an organization like american airlines you need to make sure that the american airlines logo shows up next to the message so I was just doing all this categorization of emails like, oh, you know, this is from American Airlines. This is from, you know, Verizon, putting the logos there. And I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? What's the higher purpose? What's the higher purpose? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so comedy is not necessarily good for personal development. Uh, it's not. I would say... Uh, improv, possibly? I would say improv is a lot easier. If you're just going for personal development, mm -hmm. then yeah, because comedy is just stand-up. It's like... I don't know, and it's other. It, there's a lot of depressed people doing comedy, so you know, hanging out with depressed people isn't necessarily good for your self development. Yeah, how was the experience of meeting uh, famous comedians? Maybe you ran into yeah. behind the stage. Uh, well, so, okay, this is actually pretty interesting. I met Dave Chappelle on Monday for the first time. Mm. Yeah, and um, it was very interesting because he. Um, so what he said. Uh, it was a few of us sitting around together and he said so right now he's getting a lot of uh, flack from the transgender community because his latest special he made some uh, jokes about transgender people and he talked shit about Caitlyn Jenner mm -hmm. and uh, he's like guys remember if people start talking shit about me you need to tell them Chappelle's a nice guy he sat around had a drink with us <laughs> he's nice to talk to and he was just really paranoid the whole night yeah. Paranoid about... He's paranoid about the media making him look bad. Oh, I, yeah. I see, I see. Even someone of his level, yeah. of his stature, is, yeah. is still vulnerable when, when uh, there's a, an all-out attack. Yeah. A hunt. Okay. A witch hunt. Yeah, yeah. He, he definitely feels hunted, and he, he was really paranoid. Um, 
So he he adjusted his material accordingly. You think? No, no he did. A, I he did he did some more uh, transgender material. Like I think like the comedian in him will not let him stop. Uh huh. But on the other hand, the uh, like he is also afraid. So. Uh. So yeah. I'm trying to understand how can it be both. Uh, if oh. you're paranoid and afraid, and also you just double down on, on yeah, <laughs> whatever yeah. is got you in trouble in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think we all have different aspects to our personality. So yeah, you can the comedian in you can can wrestle with the human in you. Ah, so, I see. So it's a kind of a split personality type of it's thing. It's split personality for sure. I think we're all sort of like that. Like when you get really angry, you're probably a different person mm-hmm. than when you're not angry. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of acting, right? To be on stage. To deliver your jokes, it's yeah. a character. So you have a different character. You feel like it's that that Richard is separate from yeah I would, from you. Definitely, yeah. Because when you're on stage, you need to speak with a little bit more confidence, because otherwise people will be like, "Why am I listening to this person?" Mm-hmm. You know. And people probably have this perception of you that you're like this hundred percent of the time. And, oh yeah. They come up to you after the show, and mm-hmm. maybe sometimes you can read. Uh, <laughs> Maybe not disappointment, but like a they oh, have like yeah. a quizzical look and like. Oh yeah, yeah. Are yeah. you that same person? Absolutely. <laughs> Where are the jokes? <laughs> totally, and I, that's what's so disappointing because it's actually been difficult to meet women through comedy uh. because they see you on stage, you're funny, and then you get off, and then you're you know uh, introspective and introverted, and you know it's like. One thing, it's not bad to be introspective and introverted, but it's different than what you sold them on stage. Mm, so, mm-hmm. you know, if if you change so quickly in the span of five minutes, they're kind of like, oh, what is... It? I've had so many conversations just start with women being super excited and then being like, oh, and then slowly leaving. <laughs> I see. Yeah, because being funny does not necessarily translate to being sexy. Well, not at all, actually. Yeah. I, I, oh, I, I think it does. It's yeah. just, it doesn't translate. Uh, if you stop being funny quickly, then it's like, what happened? Yeah, but I think the, the qualities that uh, people, and women in particular here, respond to uh, is your confident delivery, right? It, it's your authority yeah. on stage. Right, right. It's less about the fun, funny content. It's, it's about this position from which you can blast other people so you, you can <laughs> make statements that are outrageous but no one dares to argue with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your amplified voice uh, you, right. c- carries messages that are, that are Mm-hmm. Very ballsy, you know, and, yeah. and, and but then you don't have this when, when you're off stage, right? You, you, yeah. Even if you say the same thing without the microphone, without the crowd, it just doesn't come off. It's yeah, know, it's not the same because you know public speaking is the number one fear in the world. Mm-hmm. So. Is, is it you, you believe it's it's the actual truth? Uh, I think it's true. Yeah, because uh, I remember still that f- my first time going on stage, and I remember just like how my whole body was shaking, and I don't think you know my body is never. I've never had so much fear, except for that, you know? Uh, you know, even like that time I almost died in Puerto Rico, I still wasn't as scared as the first time I went on stage to tell jokes. Which reminds me of uh, an anecdote from my life about our mutual friend Michael. Mm-hmm. In, in, he may want to correct me later, but <laughs> I, from what I remember, his comedy adventure started from our conversation where I stated this fact mm. that seemingly is a fact that the, the number one fear is uh, public, public speaking number two is death number three is snakes or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. Uh, and he said oh that's that's crap a, a scam that's that's a, 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 <laughs> um, like a conspiracy created by psychiatrists oh, wow. or, or speech coaches or something like that uh, yeah. and I'm like why would you even argue with that look it up google it you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and he said I don't believe it because I cannot relate to this because I don't have this. And, wow. and, and, and and then and he went he did an open mic within like a week after after this oh or something God. like that. And ever since he 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 got he felt so much excitement and yeah. he got something out of it that he kept on going. Yeah. And, and he never had to deal with uh nervousness of being on stage. Mm-hmm. Yes, he gets stressed. Yes, he he is afraid to bomb and he wants to be better. But it's never about appearing in front of a crowd that 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 slows him down or makes yeah. makes him changes. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I've definitely noticed that Michael is very confident. I mean, even with like in conversation with people he doesn't know, mm-hmm. definitely he'll just say whatever to whoever, and that's a uh, so maybe he doesn't have any s- crowd anxiety. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's some kind of a special version of self-awareness. You know, yeah. That actually helps him 
yeah. uh, to overcome stuff that would hinder other people. Yeah, know? he has some good positive brain damage. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to just cut that part out and right. throw it away. Yeah, because really there's, there's no danger, there's no threat. There's no danger, yeah. I mean, people say it comes from a time when uh, we evolved where we lived in smaller communities. And like, if you said something stupid in front of a, the whole rest of your community, that you might be ostracized, you know, and, uh, you know, this happened like back in the day with like Socrates or whatever, like, you know. Or maybe back in the day when we were still apes, uh, yeah. running around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you, yeah, if you say something that alienates you from the rest of the community, then essentially you die. Mm-hmm. But that, uh, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. But we still have the lizard brain, which has that programming. So that's the idea, mm-hmm. which I don't know how true it is, but it, I definitely feel it. Right before I'm about to go on stage, my hands start shaking. And Every I, time. Yeah. yeah, I just start looking at them. And it's so weird because, like, sometimes I have to do some jokes where my hand is out a little bit. And then, I, like, my hand is shaking as I'm doing it. I'm like, oh, no, they can see it. So I put my hand behind my back again. You know, to hide it. Let's uh, touch on uh, writing. Um, sure. So you began writing uh, around the same time when you got into comedy. Uh, yeah. You're just interested in like how jo- where jokes come from and how um, the process works. Yeah. And do you write something other than jokes? What kind of writing does a comedian need to master? Uh, is it like just the one-liners? Is it oh, yeah. outline of something? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the interesting thing about it is because it's so, it's it's such a complete wild card, and uh, comedy varies so much from comedian to comedian that you can't say like what you can't define the writing process, which is which is pretty interesting. Uh, so that literally just means so writing can be whatever, it just means output. So that could be um, walking and talking into a microphone. It could be just wandering around your apartment doing voices uh, it could be literally you know writing in a notebook it could be typing on a computer um, the point the goal is to just do some sort of creative output for every day for and capture it so you can refer to it later yeah yeah it, it gener- yeah if you're talking it's good to record it and if you're writing obviously it's recorded right um, but yeah there should be no no more definition other than that I think Mm, so it's pretty free form. Yeah. Very free form, yeah. And of course, you say a lot more. Uh, you add extra sentences in more context when you're on stage. Mm-hmm. You don't need to write down the entire uh, joke and then uh, recite it word for word. Uh, you know, so I tend to do that because it's hard for me to improv on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is like so. You, the the key is just communicating your idea to somebody else. So. As a comedian, you have stuff which is funny. Your goal is to just get that same funny feeling in the other person's mind. Mm. And you have to do it as quickly as possible. Um, because if you don't do it quickly, you'll start getting like a, uh-huh, instead of laughing. Um, so uh, Chris Rock has a good quote where he says that like 90% of the time when your joke doesn't work, uh, the issue is that you just didn't explain it properly. Um, it's not that the joke isn't funny. Mm-hmm. So... You didn't set it up correctly. You didn't set it up properly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why if you watch Chris Rock, he'll usually say the same thing two or three times, and then he'll do the joke. So it's mm-hmm. like he gets, your, he gets in your head, you understand what he's talking about, and then boom, he hits you. Mm-hmm. So it's calculated. It's not just his, his uh, manner of speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's doing it very deliberately. He's making sure everybody understands exactly what's going on. Boom. Everyone's going to laugh. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're basically trying to get, whatever, 200 people on the same page at the same time. So... You have to be pretty uh, mechanical about it. Like you have to tailor your your style to the audience, right? Like you're in San Francisco, you come from a tech background. So mm-hmm. uh, our friend Michael Makarov uh, has a show, has a brand called uh, Comedy versus Nerds. Yeah. So that's that's very uh, it's very fitting for for this uh, environment yeah, for, for exactly. the area where we are. Uh, in LA, did you do the same stuff you you would do here? Like what? Yeah, you know what? It actually, in let me think about that. Or elsewhere in India? I mean, like, yeah. How do you? Do would you rather have a style that fits? It's more generic, universal, and mm-hmm. not generic, but like yeah. relatable yeah. Uh, on a global level, or you'd have like a special themes for for different locales. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that that just happens naturally. That like so. When I write a, jo- a joke, I'm not thinking like, oh, how do I make this globally appealing? 
I'll just write a joke mm-hmm. and then I'll try it out and something will happen. Either it'll only work in San Francisco or it works everywhere. So just naturally, I have jokes now which work all over the world and I have jokes which only work in San Francisco. And uh, so, yeah, when I went to L.A., um, I uh, it's, it's more just testing. So <laughs> when I went to L.A., I tried a bunch of jokes. A, a bunch of them worked and some of them didn't. So then I just threw all those ones out. And the next time I went to L.A., I used all the same ones that worked before and put in different jokes for the stuff that didn't work. And then I found which jokes work in L.A. But, yeah, it is different. Definitely different jokes work in L.A. than in San Francisco. And would you tell me and our listeners uh, where to find you sure. online? Dear listeners, uh, my domain name is rsarvate.com. Do not go to richardsarvate.com because that is now a Russian porn site. Uh, I've spent some time on there, but I don't encourage you to. <laughs> and are, are there Russian porn actresses in there? Or, uh, or is yeah. it's Russian operated? You, you know what? They seemed pretty Russian to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so don't go to that website. Don't rsarvate. go to that website. Yeah, and uh, my Twitter is rsarvate. Uh, I mean, sorry, Richard Sarvate. Uh, and I have a fun sketch group called Stay After Class. You can find that on Facebook and YouTube. I have a really fun show here in San Francisco every Friday and Saturday at 222 Hyde. And the same show as in L.A. every fourth Thursday at Three Clubs. That's it. Excellent. Thank you. I'm looking forward to hearing and watching more of your sketches and performances. Thank you. Uh, Next time, uh, I'll have to contact your agent to uh, to book you for an interview. That would be ideal, but I have a feeling that you'll still have my direct line. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it will be an honor to, to uh, have access directly to you without any middle people awesome. uh, thank you very much and till the next time 